Well, good evening and welcome once again to our Wednesday evening Bible study slot. And uh, just looking forward to uh, sharing from this uh, end section of the book of Romans and uh, often referred to as a doxology. And uh, let me pray and and then we're going to read the passage and then I'm going to uh, take us through it. Lord, you are the all-wise God and all-powerful God, all-knowing. And so as we turn to you and and coming to you this this evening in a clear understanding of our need of your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus, uh, giving us the acceptance before you as as God and asking, Lord, for your continued grace uh, extended to us in our daily lives. And so as we turn to your word tonight, we pray for uh, usefulness in, in teaching And also, Lord, just the practical reality and blessing of application in everyday life. Keep us, Lord, from mere uh, accumulators of truth and information. Help us, Lord, for that information to really be extended to uh, impact our lives and and in so doing, uh, conforming us more and more to your likeness. And so thank you for tonight. Thank you for each person participating with us and asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. So right, we're in Romans and chapter 16. It's the last chapter and from verse 25. A well-known verse, I'm sure you've heard it said by me many times at the end of uh, services or at the end of a particular meeting together and many others who use uh, this doxology in, uh, in meetings that we, we have. And so I'm going to read from verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we want to begin right at the um, outset just to uh, understand what this word doxology means and and why do we refer to this kind of prayer as a doxology. Well, the English word doxology is made up of two Greek words, words, One, the first one being that of doxa, which is uh, glory, means glory, and and logos, which means word. And so we really have here uh, a word that ascribes glory to God. And uh, very appropriately, uh, in the context of all that has been said, a word that describes glory to God, at the same time us having access to this God in the work that he does in us and, and through us. So this is not just a greeting that comes at an end of the letter. And I've said this recently with regards the doxology at the end of Hebrews as well. But it is an important uh, few sentences calling attention to the importance of the supremacy of God. And so in this doxology, we have a deliberate expression Confirming that everything that exists, everything that happens, 
Everything that will ultimately culminate is to bring honor and glory to God. So really God as uh, supreme, uh, God who is higher than any other, uh, God who is transcendent. If we have a look at this uh, doxology in the few verses or sentences that we have here, you can notice immediately that it starts with God. Now to him, looking to God, focusing on God. And then it ends with God as well. Uh, to the only wise God, be glory forever and ever. Amen. So did you get the sense of it? There, there, there is no doubt uh, that, that the Apostle Paul is conveying to us the centrality and the supremacy of God in all things. And so an important uh, lesson for us, even at the outset in this introduction, to see that God is, uh, is not just some kind of peripheral interest that we have, uh, some kind of religious appendage that uh, we include uh, in our lives. But, but, but God, in who he is, demands everything. All we have, he is worthy, ultimately, in the expression of, of worship. Well, in between these two statements focusing on, on God, we have some revelation, some information here of how he takes care of us as believers. There is implied here, no doubt implied here, that as we run the difficult race of life, uh, we will have to fight some tough uh, obstacles and, and, and difficulties that come in our way. And, and so he says in, in verse 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Now, I don't want to take away from the reality of who God is, because that, that is assumed in this passage. And, and my hope next week, my plan next week in the last session in the book of Romans is we're going to look at that last phrase that will focus on the all-wise uh, God. But, but, but yeah, we, we are being told that this God will strengthen you. And that's my first point, in fact, God. God will strengthen you. Now, physically, uh, the analogy can be used. Uh, easily, we get tired. Uh, we become weary. And we need to be strengthened. And people do different things to be strengthened. Some people exercise at a gym. Some people go running. Some people take vitamins. Uh, some people have injections. Vitamin B, I think it is. Uh, so we understand the concept of us needing to be strengthened. Well, I did read of an illustration of someone who attempted to swim from uh, the south of Florida, Key West, uh, all the way to Cuba. And I don't know much about that part of the world, but what I did discover was the it's a 60-hour swim. Now, that's a long swim. And not only is it a long swim, but that swimmer would have to contend with dangerous sharks and, and also deadly jellyfish en route from Key West uh, to Cuba. And then to add to that, there are also powerful sea currents. So even if this swimmer started the race strong, and no doubt this swimmer must have been physically strong and muscular, the mere effort in swimming so long, having to cope with these obstacles of sharks and jellyfish and currents, will make her weak and vulnerable. 
she will lose strength. She will become weak, so much so that her life could be at risk. And so that's the physical side of things. But what about spiritually? Are we always are we always at the crest of the wave? No, we're not. I certainly am not. The walk of faith is very much like physical um, weariness that comes about because of obstacles and challenges we face in life. And, and the Apostle Paul, we know, uses these different analogies. He uses the analogy of a race that needs to be run. In another instance, he speaks of a, a fight that needs to be fought. And, and, and suppose tonight we could liken it to a 60-hour swim from Key West to Cuba. The point I'm trying to make is that regardless of who you are, you will become spiritually weary. You will need to be strengthened. And so the Christian, we Christians must get uh, to, and I want to use um, terminology tonight from Pilgrim's Progress and the, the, the destination that we are heading towards. A Christian was headed towards the celestial city and we're headed towards heaven. We, we're headed to that place where ultimately we will be with God. And, and all the troubles of this earth will be behind us. But on this journey, those difficulties and challenges will stay with us. And so, in fact, I have a sub-point. And again, I want to use John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress to describe some of these difficulties. You and I need special kind of strengthening. And the reason for that is because of the kind of difficulties, the kind of challenges that we will find along the way that will... Uh, weary us, will weaken us in the process. Now let me mention some of these that uh, John Bunyan uh, mentions in, in his Pilgrim Progress. He speaks about the slough of despond. Now I thought, well, that's not really English we understand today. What does he mean by that? Well, the sinking sands of discouragement. Perhaps even we could say the sinking sands of depression, where we just feel we're spiraling down into the depths of despair and darkness. That happens to believers. Sometimes we go through a hardship. Sometimes emotionally we just are so worn out and worn down, we end up in a place of severe and serious despondency. He speaks of the, the mire of misery. And I'm thinking there that, that that must have been somewhere like a swamp that he had in mind. And all this stomping and, and clamoring and, and just an, an inability to get out of what seems like an endless uh, bombardment of, of challenge after challenge, misery after misery. And, and there doesn't seem to be light at the end of the tunnel. He also speaks about doubting castle. We are weak. We become weak at times because we question we, we wonder, do, do we really have the truth? I've had people who are believers for many, many years uh, come and ask the question and, and even make the statement, I don't think I'm a Christian. And, and doubt, doubt so easily enters into the, the mind and, and the heart and, and it's a struggle and, and, and it can make one weary in that process. The hill of difficulty. Well, needless to say, most of us uh, experience that uh, more than once in our lives. 
Um, I prefer the term or I have used the term bends in the road, unexpected bends in the road. There are hills of difficulty uh, that come our way, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in the context of the church or family or just even in in ourselves, uh, difficulties occur and they are huge obstacles and therefore make us weary. He talks about the terrible valley. And again, I would imagine that would be down uh, in the dumps of despair. Or vanity fair. How so easily we can be tempted uh, away from our walk uh, with God. uh, Getting involved in a frivolous sensuality at, at vanity fair. Thinking this is what life is all about. Bringing about joy and yet leaving one feeling empty and weak. And so it goes on. He speaks about the giant of Bypath Meadow, uh, Apollyon, which is a reference to the evil one or the devil, the enchanted ground. And then finally, uh, the reality of, 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 of what he calls the dark river before he gets to glory. Now, do you get the idea? I'm trying to convey to you the reality of life. We need to be honest as Christians. We, we, we find hardships along the way. We need strengthening and so this this doxology to him who is able to strengthen you what a wonderful prayer we can pray for each other and the 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 reality is that this God this God who is able does strengthen his people and and I want to even uh, extend this further don't think that you're alone when you're in a particular difficulty or struggle of needing to be strengthened. You feel weak and you want to give up and the Christian walk has just been so difficult. I want to say to you that that any one of us, and I'll put myself in, in front of that queue, I have been in those places and, and, and regularly find myself uh, in a place where, yes, I, I feel like I'm failing as a Christian. And, and even looking at that in particular roles, am, am I really the kind of father I ought to be? Am I the kind of husband I ought to be? Am I the kind of pastor that is pleasing to God? Do I do what I'm supposed to do in shepherding or caring or preaching or teaching? Do you get the idea? We, and, and so we, we can become uh, discouraged and, and need uh, strength uh, from God. And I, I would even want to think about different roles that people have, whether they're uh, a mom uh, looking after little children uh, 24-7, physically exhausting and, and spiritually just not even finding time to uh, experience the nourishment uh, that God provides uh, provides, and, and just longing, longing to be strengthened. Uh, all kinds of contexts, even in the context of the local church where uh, Sometimes the local church can be so busy with activity, with meetings and ministries and duties, uh, dealing with people and visits and home groups and holiday clubs and, 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 and financially giving and witnessing. And so, you know, the list goes on and on and we feel overwhelmed, leaving us feeling weak. I think I made my point. Now, here's an important point to follow. Yes, the walk of faith can be a hard, in fact, I want to change that. It is a hard and wearisome journey. But I want to quote, I want to quote what Jesus said. You do need a special kind of strengthening. Therefore, therefore, we need to be encouraged. Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick, 
he will not quench. Isn't that true? Sometimes we people uh, see a struggling little ant making his way, trying to make his way on a particular path and, and simply uh, crushing the ant. That, that, that's, that's our nature, not God. When, when the scripture tells us that, that God does not destroy the one who is struggling and battling along in everyday life. Therefore, the prayer, may uh, God, or now to him who is able to strengthen. But I want to point out, very importantly, he does so with a very deliberate purpose. If you look at the scripture, there is a, a purpose that he has in mind. He does so with the deliberate purpose of bringing about the obedience of faith. Very similar. In fact, I was working on my message today for Sunday in uh, from Hebrews. And there's a lot of similarities uh, in these two prayers that are prayed. And so I want to go on and, and really just adding to my previous point, that in answer to this prayer, you will receive a special kind of strengthening. Uh, just a, a look at the meaning of this word strengthening or strengthen. Uh, what it means is to is to resolutely uh, or to, to turn resolutely in a direction to to find your way forward. So uh, I know as a runner, uh, sometimes just wanting to sit down, just wanting to give up. But the important thing as a runner, we know you must keep putting one step in front of the next step, and and this kind of strengthening is that kind of thing, establishing a steadfastness in progression. Steadfastness to endure to the end. And again, the purpose of the end is the obedience of faith. Obedience of faith has a broad meaning. It, 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 it begins with conversion, but it's the continuous life which is pleasing uh, to God and ultimately even uh, to the end when we enter into heaven. But let's have a look at the world just for a moment to stop and, and see what is it that we are confronted with from the world, uh, also offering a kind of strengthening and a purpose for that kind of strengthening that the world promotes. And again, I'll just look at my notes. Uh, the world promotes a strengthening that helps you to crush other people, to be able to stand on top of other people. The world promotes a kind of a strengthening that makes you assertive or forceful or aggressive or self-confident or smart or, or rich or powerful or even just big, uh, then you're strong. But is that really lasting strength? If you reflect and you look at any one of those categories, they're all fading uh, it doesn't last. Uh, beauty fades, muscles go limp, uh, s even smartness is only for a season. So God's strengthening is, is better. It's better. It's an inner strength of the soul. That's, that's what we're speaking about over here. An inner strength of the soul 
which is through our faith in Christ, and, and, and that makes us strong. And yet is the point. I think so often we read passages like this and we think, well, now God is going to lift me out of my difficulty or out of my circumstances or uh, uh, heal me from my illness. No, 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 that's not what it's saying here. Even if you are in a wheelchair or a hospital bed or, or you're struggling in your job and, 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 and whether you're a mother serving in the home, the point is God will strengthen you in that context to give you what you need for the obedience of faith, that you will not turn your back on God, that you will not slip away uh, forever to be lost in darkness. When there's a firmness of the inner life, there will be a steadfastness of outer conduct. In fact, I want to read that again. When there is this firmness in the inner life of the soul, inwardly strengthened, that's what Paul says in in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the inward strengthening, then there will be the steadfastness of the outer conduct. And so he says, we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, the inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, let me move on now to an important question. So we, we, we hear the apostles' prayer for strengthening. We consider the strengthening that we stand in need of, a special kind of strengthening to be accomplished and bring about God's purposes. But the important question is, is how does God strengthen you? How does he strengthen? How does he do this? Well, I want to begin by using an illustration. Um, some years ago, we fitted electronic or electric motorized, motorized garage doors uh, at our house. And they constantly give trouble. It's, it's the one part of a house that uh, is forever requiring attention and, and maintenance. So I've tried numbers of contractors over the years, uh, many of them promising that they are able to resolve the issues and fix the garage doors. And, and, and the emphasis over the year that I'm trying to make, that we have been repeatedly assured by contractors, by particular contractors, that they are able, let's take one particular contract, that he is able to help us and solve our garage door problem. Now here's the problem. His claim that he is able has not matched the service he provides. Do you get my point? It's one thing to say you are able, it's another thing to deliver. And, and, and when we look at this doxology, we need to affirm how does God strengthen you? You need to understand, you need to be convinced about, you need to know that God is not like the garage door service provider. The prayer is addressed to him who is able. So his abilities matches the promises he makes. Very important. He's God. And, and that's why for us as Christians, so important to explore the knowledge of God. All that the Bible reveals about who God is and, and what he's able to do, what he does do. And so we have this match between ability and promise. Prophet Isaiah 
speaks about this and just expresses something of the unique nature of uh, this all-powerful creator, uh, God, uh, creator of the world, as, as the one who stands alone. He stands alone as the one who always matches the claims he makes with what he delivers. And I like to read, and it's a favorite passage. I love Isaiah chapter 40, but let me read from verse 28. Speaking to the people of, of Israel, have you not known? Have you not heard? So, well, let me remind you, let me tell you, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is, un, understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Now, that's just one passage. This is something God is able to do. It's something that God does do. However, we need to go a step further. And again, I want to even uh, encourage you to, to hear what I'm going to be saying on Sunday in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to elaborate more on this. But God has chosen specific means to make you strong. And so what are the means what is the what are the means what is what is the method and and very plainly put in this verse um, 25 the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Jesus is the means and this is where I'm going to be focusing more on on Sunday this coming Sunday but the ongoing strengthening that you need comes from the same source that started you on your journey of faith. And it's looking to Jesus and what he's doing and who he is. So let's read that verse 25 again. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the focus. He's the means. And, 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 and that which he does uh, brings about a strengthening in, in, in the sheep. Uh, that belong to him. It even helps us uh, if we think back to the very beginning of Romans and uh, Paul's uh, confession or profession. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. Jesus is the means. Jesus is the method. And so throughout this life, you will always need the gospel, the truth about Jesus, the preaching of Jesus. And, and he must be the constant theme, the prominent content of ministry from the word. And so it's the heart of the gospel, what he has accomplished and what he continues to do. And, and what has he accomplished? Well, he's accomplished forgiveness. He's, he's, he's turned God's favor to quote from the book of Hebrews and, and where we are, he's the God of peace, favorably, favorably disposed toward his sheep, favorably disposed toward his children. And, and, and so we see that. that and, and just another aspect of the ministry of Jesus that we look to is his intercession. And, and there's more, and I don't want to give my sermon away for Sunday. But the point is, it's the strengthening comes through the work and the ministry of Jesus. We need to know about that and we 
or to experience that through the application and the work of the Spirit. Uh, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Again, as the Spirit takes that Word and applies it into one's life. And, And so the very important point, certainly tonight in this study, in this passage, none of us ever outgrow the need for the gospel. And it's the gospel unpacked. It's the gospel explored. It's, it's the gospel in its depth and, and its width, uh, looking to see more and more how we understand the person and the work of Jesus and, and, and how God uses uh, him uh, in, in the bringing about of strengthening in the lives of, of his uh, people. And so taking it a step further, and this is uh, important, it's the result of, of, of Jesus and the work of Jesus, I've called it your new position as a believer. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about this uh, secret, the secret that has been uh, for long ages, uh, was kept secret for long ages. Well, I want to speak, uh, perhaps illustrate it a little bit in terms of my family. So Carol and I, I uh, have four children. Uh, you know that. Uh, two are adopted children. God added to our family through adoption. And, and two of our children, uh, God added biologically uh, to our family. So we have four children. And the, the point I, I want to make is that uh, through adoption or through biology, every child has equal status, whether that be subjectively or objectively. We belong together as a family. Uh, uh, Everything in our family, the standing of each child is equal. Each one will benefit. I hope so. One day they will benefit as heirs. Uh, when Carol and I have, have passed on uh, and, 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 and doing so as those who are included with the full rights of being in the family. And, and that's, that's the kind of thing that, that has been unfolded in this passage over here. Uh, a truth that we need to get as Christians is that there are no levels or they're, they're, they're not second rate citizens when it comes to the kingdom of God. You will be strengthened in line with knowing whose child you are. You are where you belong. And whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, that, that it's, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Well, what is it? He he elaborates also in in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6. This mystery, what is it? It is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through through the gospel. And so the benefits, there's no difference between the natural olive branch and the grafted olive shoot. Both get their nourishment from the root of the olive tree. And so there's no difference between Jew or Gentile, rich or poor or this culture and that culture. Those who have become believers are full recipients of his promises without exception. And so we must never forget 
who we are, your identity in Christ. You're a child of the King. He is our Father in heaven. We're amongst those who are able to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you get get the idea? God strengthens. God cares and takes, uh, looks after his children. He makes sure that we are uh, provided with everything we need for the obedience of faith. And so therefore, getting to that place where he then says to him, the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And so my third point, just uh, very briefly, everything to the glory of God. I want to quote John Piper here. John Piper uh, says and and, uh, describes, I think, accurately, many kings in history and many dictators, uh, many dictators today, want glory isn't that so they want to be patted on the back they want to do they want to be elevated they want to be seen as important they want to be known as strong and rich and powerful well think about how many of them get the glory that they so desperately want well they do it they do it by keeping their citizens weak and poor and uneducated These glory seekers don't like the threat of strong, educated citizens. And so they get the glory by really standing on the backs, abusing other people around them. So if any king, really, if we thought about it, had the right to forcefully uh, require glory, stepping on the backs of rebellious people, It is God, but he doesn't. He doesn't. What does he do? He displays his glory by making his people strong. Showing that this is not their doing. This is not our doing. It's a display that he is God. Him who is able to strengthen you, be glory forevermore. And so when when that prayer uh, that is prayed here is is answered is 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 seen in evidence in the people around us in their lives, and we see that people are stronger in faith and hope and love as a result of the gospel and and inclusion in the family. The greater God appears, so God draws attention to Himself by making undeserving people strong. So just a, a final word: be encouraged. Uh, God God can. He is able to meet and match the promises he makes. And those of us who feel uh, we're weak and and vulnerable, uh, in need of strength, as he works in us and through us, he will be glorified. And so let us be people at Central who in our weakness and weariness Remember Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who wait or hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So just so far tonight, Lord, we we do want to pray for each other. Uh, Life is a struggle at times, oftentimes. And spiritually, we can feel sometimes dry. Sometimes just empty or barren. 
and weak. And I want to pray that you would, Lord, uh, answer this prayer that the Apostle prays for the Romans, that uh, you, Lord, you are able. We confess that. We know that. We are told that. You revealed it to us. You are able. And so to ask that you would strengthen those who are really feeling desperately weak tonight. Minister to them, Lord, as they look to you, as they experience the benefits of all that you've accomplished, looking back to the cross, but even understanding your continued intercession on our behalf in this, at this very moment. And so we ask this, Lord, that you would be glorified as we ask it looking to Jesus. Amen. So just a final comment. Uh, once again, the uh, discussion questions are on the screen. You can take a, a photograph with your camera, uh, with your camera on your phone, and uh, use these in, in discussion if you are in a group. So God bless you, and look for, looking forward to meeting again uh, on Sunday uh, morning. Amen.